One more time for 2019. Are you ready? One last time. One more for the road. Anthology. I am your host, Neil Cordray, and I am joined this week by... The One True Ben. And we don't have a mic today because we were recording on the day before Thanksgiving and he's visiting his wife's family like a loser. Right, like he's got a, a you know... Like he has... Fa- like he has... Yeah, like he's in a relationship and has fans, fr- friends and family that aren't us and you, our faithful <laughs> listeners... Okay, that's enough bagging on Mike. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> yes. Um, so, as we said, I guess it's, it should be two episodes now, uh, two episodes ago now, in, produ- in air date, uh, we're kind of doing away with the news segment in general, because we were, like, as evidenced by the fact that I had to do the math... We record these ahead of time. So by the time... You're going to have secrets! <laughs> like, it's the... I, I just said, I'm recording this the day before Thanksgiving. This is going to be going live in mid-December. True. Merry Christmas! Yes, Merry... <laughs> well, Merry Christmas, joyous uh, Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah... Happy Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Yule... Yule yes, Kai. Happy Yule... Um, oh, yeah. Joyous happy, Yule, isn't it? It's Well, it's Happy Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Yulestis. Yeah. You're, you're the pagan. What's the, what's, the, uh, what's the adjective for Yule? Um, so happy joyous? Yule, happy? Joyous Yule, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever something positive is. Like, <laughs> you don't go up to someone and say, have a shitty Yule. Uh, like, have a happy Yule. Have a good... Anything positive in front of Yule is good. We're yeah, really laid <laughs> back about that shit. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, you know, merry Yule, yeah, you will get a little bit of side eye. It's, uh, it's, it's, and solstice. Yeah. Yule and solstice. Yule anything. and solstice, yeah. Happy solstice. So, yeah, no. This is why people. This is why people say Happy Holidays and not just Merry Christmas, because not everybody celebrates Christmas. I remember I, I looked it up. I I actually like printed off a list once. Yeah. But there is like there are literally like twenty seven different um, ethnic, uh, ethnic religious, and or what have you holidays. Mm-hmm. In the, within about a two and a half month time frame from mid November to mid January. Yeah, and, and <laughs> you know, go figure. This is the winter solstice. Yeah. Um, most most of your older religions were going to be based around a specific event you could always predict. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, winter solstice, uh, spring you know spring equinox, yeah. summer solstice, fall mm-hmm. equinox. Fall equinox. You're you're going to have. You have pretty much every every major civilization, mm-hmm. and and however you want to delineate that, be it by ethnic, by religious, by location, is going to have something around those times every year. <clears throat> so funny story, um, being pagan, um, and somehow because of that, knowing more about Christianity than most most Christians. Uh, at least about the history and basics of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm no theologist, although I know a little bit about the Bible too. But um, it was funny. Um, Christmas was never really delineated in the Bible. 
And then you weren't there. It was never really a date for it. And it wasn't really a big thing until Constantine, um, you know, converted. Yeah. And they started doing it around the birth of the new year. Mm. Well, the justification for it was that God created the world at the spring equinox. And nine months from there was the winter solstice or December 25th-ish. Or, you know, sometime Mm. in there. Uh, that was how they basically explained the biblical... The, the, um, but truth be told, you know, and having gotten past my stage of New Pagan Rage, um, it's really kind of funny that, truth be told, if you look at it, it was just people who were going, hey, we've got this good news and we don't want you to go to hell. Uh, so here's how your things yeah. are really our things, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, the, the Christians copped so much from the pagans for Christmas traditions like oh, yeah. the tree and the log and the yeah well no, uh, that's actually part of the actual Chris, Chris that's just the part of the secular stuff yeah because and that's the, that's mm-hmm. you know that's so I guess that kind of gets into some of the non-geeky stuff we're talking yeah about. so so today so today uh, we thought we take we take a time to talk about things that are not part of our standard wheelhouse or at least part of the standard geek wheelhouse Ben you got a little something on your mustache by the way Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, either that or it's just a lighter gray spot. I'm not sure. Yeah, in the field of gray. <laughs> <laughs> Obligatory Benny's old joke. Um, although, honestly, I mean, your facial hair is gray. What what do you yeah. want from what me? Do you, what do you want? What do <laughs> What do you people want but, from no, me? Yeah, we're gonna talk about things that are not. Um, necessarily geeky or geek related. My thought initially was to call this episode "Go Sports," uh, but neither Ben nor I are particularly interested in sports. Sports, sport, a sports ball. It's where there's a ball and there's a field and you, and you score points. Yeah. No. I mean, I I played a lot of intramural sports in in college. Oh, I played high school. I played football in high school. Uh, but that was mostly because I enjoyed being active in college. I played. Yeah. I, I mean, I was. I was definitely into sports ball in high school, and mm-hmm. I was a fullback for my team. But I couldn't really, like, I couldn't, <clears throat> we couldn't talk at length about professional people or what have you. But yeah. we are going to talk about... Other things. Other things, yeah. We're not going to talk about video games and movies. Maybe, probably. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we'll digress into it at some point. Right. Um, but before we do that, how we are reworking our news segment to come way back around to... What we started. What I was about. starting with. <laughs> right. Uh, we are we are live and unscripted, everybody. I mean, yeah. we're recording it live at least. Yeah. yeah and we are, I really uh, don't do much editing. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about just a couple, three things that we ran across that we think were interesting that happened since we last recorded. So. Um, you go first. Yeah, okay. Uh, there are two... Th- That's a dangerous deal. You yeah. go first. <laughs> there, are, there are two things that, that uh, sort of popped up that are actually kind of similar... That are kind of related, um, as evidenced by our episode about him. We like Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage is cool. Uh, Nicolas Cage is appa- apparently going to be appear in a movie based off of based upon the life and times of Nicolas Cage. Who's he going to be playing? He's going to be playing Nicolas Cage. But he's apparently going to be playing... A over-exaggerated version of himself. Oh, kind of like Keanu Reeves in uh, Crazy Rotation or uh, 
Was it Kit Crazy Rich Asians? I don't or? think he was in Kit Crazy no, Rich Asians. Or My Asian Boyfriend or something like that? Maybe, I can't remember. But yeah, like... But yeah, no, apparently this is going to be a movie about Keanu... About Keanu Reeves, sorry, no. About <laughs> Nicolas Cage. Um, with Nicolas Cage playing his, as himself, but as, a, but as a caricature of himself. Right. Which sounds remarkably excellently weird and, and like it's... It, it sounds like it's going to be a beautiful train wreck. Um, also, Nicolas Cage is starring in a movie adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's short story, The Color Out of Space. Faithful listeners will be aware that uh, The Color Out of Space, I can't remember exactly where it landed. I, can't, I think it was th- fourth, fourth or third in my top ten Lovecraftian horrors. By the way, you should really listen to that episode. It's one of, it's one of my uh, favorites. Um, if you haven't. Well, actually, you rated it number seven. So I can't remember. <laughs> no, Hell, if I can remember where I rated it, honestly. I remember who was first, and I remember who was tenth. Tenth was Cthulhu, because he need, he deserves a mention, but honestly, he's not all that great shakes. Not not the way... Yeah, he's kind of like this looming background. Yeah, this. and first was Nyarlathotep, because he deserves it. Okay, I will... <laughs> As I look around the... Uh, at least you didn't say Haster's name three times. I think he was two. He was number two. Right. Yeah, Haster, 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 see nothing up. <laughs> well, the room didn't turn yellow, so I think we're good. We're good. So, I mispronounced it. Uh, <laughs> but, that's actually one of... That, that's actually, like, if I was ever going to get a tattoo, I think I'd get the elder sign. Just because, you know, you're not hurt. You're, 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 you're just hedging bets. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, what's the uh, next thing? Um, no, that was the two things. That was the two things. Okay. Nicholas Cage in a movie about Nicholas Cage, starring Nicholas Cage, and, and the Color Out of Space, also which starring Nicholas also Cage. starring starring Nicholas Cage, which is which is entire like the I, I'm actually a little eh, about that casting decision, although I can see that because he's playing the the main character who undergoes a massive nervous breakdown. And so, nobody plays crazy like <clears throat> If you've seen Vampire's Kiss, this is very true. Yeah. Well, have you seen anything Nicolas Cage has ever been in? Yeah. That's... But especially Vampire's Kiss, where he actually actively undergoes a nervous breakdown mm-hmm. uh, throughout the entire movie. Um, so, you know, yeah. there's that. Ben, you got stuff. All right, I got stuff. So, my two things uh, since last time uh, that I was here. Um, one is The Outer Worlds. I have it. I am playing it. Yeah, we're probably going to have to do a, a Fallout episode on The Outer Worlds. The Outer Worlds, right, because it's the next <laughs> spiritual success. But we're not fucking doing 76. No, we're not. <clears throat> I, mean, we, I, I feel like it would be fu- it would almost be fun to do an episode on tactics in 76 and, you know, where Fallout went wrong. But at the same time, that would be us bagging on something for an hour and a half. That would otherwise couple. love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I, 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 yeah, this is, my, this is my don't do that face. But yeah, no. Um, Outer Worlds, everyone seems to really like it. Obsidian. I'm, I'm, I'm on my second playthrough for it. Ooh, very fun. Yeah. Um, and I'm, of course, discovering new things. Mm-hmm. So. I plan on picking it up here soon, probably after the, after, uh, mm-hmm. the holidays. It is very. I'm probably gonna have to pick it up for for console because I need to I need to build a new computer at this point. Like my computer just it stopped being able to run new games again because it's six years old. Yeah. And I'm gonna have to build a new new computer for Cyberpunk because I'm not gonna run that on a console. Um, 
bad memory for mine. But so, uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm probably gonna. But I'll probably just pick it up on PS4. And then joining apparently um, about half of the rest of Geekdom, uh, my net, my other favorite thing right now is the Mandalorian. Yep. Oh my so, god. So funny story about the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Everyone was warned. Mm-hmm. You build enough tangential, smaller streaming serv- services, try mm-hmm. to get a piece of that pie, mm-hmm. pirates are going to come back in fuller force. The Mandalorian, the first episode of The Mandalorian, was pirated within three hours. Not surprised. Um, yeah. But, yeah. This was important enough that it made NPR, which is another thing I could talk about in this episode. Right. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, but Mandalorian, uh, loving that it's staying true to the feel of Star Wars. Yeah, we've got a baby Yoda, baby Yoda type, um, and then um, I maintain that the uh, that the species name is Leahy Who. Leahy Who. Yes. <laughs> okay. I have no idea why you got there, and so I don't want to go. That, that's so he's Yoda Leahy Who. Yoda Leahy. Uh, <laughs> It, it works better when you say that's his last name, but... Yeah, what's the other's last name? Like you <laughs> Alright, so stoned you should be. Well, uh, it's not legal in the state of Missouri yet. <laughs> you have time to live Give it time. <laughs> well, oh, um, that's actually, like, it's not a... It's not a... It's not really a geek thing, but... Uh, in a in, in a move that surprised a lot of my friends who uh, care about this... Um, a law for the uh, for the outright legalization and uh, the, for the not uh, not just the decriminalization of marijuana, but the elimination of criminal records due to marijuana, got out of committee almost unanimously. Mm-hmm. Um, in in federal government. Okay, so in in Congress. Yeah, because I heard was, something. I, think was, I heard something in Colorado. No, this was this was maybe. in Washington, um, mm-hmm. and the only two people that voted against it were just like, I don't like this bill. I want us to vote on this other bipartisan weed legalization bill hmm. because it it because the federal government doesn't doesn't it's <clears throat> it, it leaves it up to the states. I'm like right. Uh, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, politics. Ah. To to which I got to well, I'm I'm, that, 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 to which I got to share to many people's uh, Facebook feeds. My one of my favorite image macros, which is the guy from from Muppet News, with a caption saying, "We would like to con- congratulate drugs for winning the war on drugs." <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> or at least, or at the very least, marijuana seems to have pretty much just finally. Mm-hmm. Worn everyone down, right? But yeah, um, but yeah. Of course, Baby Yoda means uh, there's Yoda and Miss Piggy, mm-hmm. um, and Yoda and one of the one of the gremlins. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and everyone's saying he's not a Baby Yoda. And like, well, duh, we he's not we, a Baby Yoda. But we don't know what his species is called, right? So yeah. We could call him a baby yaddle. I mean, that's the other only other members of Yoda species we've ever seen. So, yeah. but yeah, um, Mandalorian Carl Weathers does a really good job in it. Werner Werner Herzog, excellent job as a villainous. And I gotta say, John Favreau 
episode three was the best. And John Favreau and Barbara Chow, the, the woman who directed that, that episode, did so much with very terse, very sparse dialogue. I I like anything that, that can that can do a good job of, of setting the scene mm-hmm. without words. Yeah, that, that that's that's uh, that's the mark of of uh, ironically enough, that's the mark of good writing mm-hmm. <laughs> and good directing. Oh yeah, no, I mean it tell, I mean they've managed to tell you so much um, in just in one scene about one character without any exposition. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so yeah, it's just it's brilliant, and the Mandalorian barely speaks. Um, it's uh, one of the few things I'm probably going to end up just picking up Disney Plus for at some point when I, mm-hmm. you know, have Marvel. if I ever have money again. Right. Oh, donate to the Patreon. Uh, <laughs> donate to the Patreon so that Neil can get out of crippling debt. Right. So yeah, but there's that. That's the thing. Um, uh, so non geeky things. That we we do. Yeah. Um. Okay, so most of my non-geeky things have to do with my geeky things. Okay. So when I was writing Zompok Survivor, mm-hmm. I had to basically learn about prepping and guns mm-hmm. all over again. Uh, which is kind of ironic is that the sales of those books allowed me to buy the things that I wrote about in those books. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Um, so yeah, my my, my big. I don't know why I play with things that make noise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sorry. When I'm recording, I make I make all sorts of extra noise, which I don't need to. But um, so yeah. Because um, I mean, and there's nothing much new lately. Although mm-hmm. um, there is a new tactical shotgun out that's like four hundred and seventy-five dollars. It is great for home defense and. As a person who has learned about guns, I will tell you that the best handgun for home defense is a pump shotgun with a pistol grip. <laughs> Be careful. Pistol gripped pump shotguns are not legal in all states. This is true. I But this, this, there's a joke behind that. Ah. Because uh, basically handguns don't make the best um, just, you know, home defense de- uh, weapons. So yeah, things I learned, um, you know, in that is you know, about the efficiency of the Ruger 1022. Still my favorite plinking gun, um, and the utter ruggedness of Russian weapons. My Mosin Megant <laughs> is like they're, they're, it's like they're made to you know survive, survive a Russian winter. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're made to survive in places like Siberia. Uh, my my other my other one of my other best guns is actually a, a Yugoslavian SKS. Mm-hmm. Um, I can drive nails with that thing better than I can with my AR. Um, so, I mean, it's just like... And uh, when you say drive nails, you mean with bullets, right? Yes, basically, I mean, I have a very, very good yes. uh, grouping with some, that. Some people might think you mean you're going to smack a nail with, the with like, the, the butt, butt of your rifle. I mean, that could probably could drive a nail. <laughs> I could do that, but especially you, you with need, the most in the game. You need to be... But you do need to be a little bit more... I, I knew what you meant, but... Right. Basically, we're talking about non-geeky things. I'm not counting on the on the audience to know what we're talking right? about this time. So yeah, what's kind of funny though is, is I have what's what's interesting with with all of this um, in in that I've learned with guns uh, is 
the gun that you're best that you're the best shot with may not be the one you enjoy shooting the most. Um, my I have a Glock. Uh, it's a 40 caliber. It's a subcompact, small gun. Hurts like hell if I hold. You know, if my grip is just the slightest bit off. Because uh, I remember shooting that one with you at the at the range. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of fun with it. like, but yeah. I like shooting pistols too. Yeah. Well, and my hands are. I'm like, oh, my, my hands are. My hands are about the size. I think. Yeah. Um, Roughly. Of course, my hands are just meaty. Um, yeah. And if I don't, if I don't actually make the, you know, it can, it will kick my ass. Mm -hmm. I can hit with it though. Mm -hmm. Better than any other pistol I own. I mean, my favorite gun to actually shoot uh, is my uh, is my um, Polish uh, P64, which looks like a James Bond gun. <laughs> so you know, um, so yeah, that's I mean that's one of my things. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> um, neither of us know sports, so we're not going to talk about sports. Yeah, Although sports I, I do enjoy like. I will admit to enjoying watching sporting events. Mm -hmm. I just can't get into following sports. Right. Yeah. It's it's good for what you, when you're watching it. But like I, I look forward to the once yearly tradition of going to to Kansas City to watch a Royals game with my dad at Kauffman Stadium. You see, that's fun. I really love going to see it. I I really love watching sporting events live. Yeah, see, there, the there's folks. something that's very different, by the way, of, of live versus on TV. Oh yeah, my, one of my favorite memories um, from the '90s when I worked for uh, Ark of the Ozarks was taking a bunch of the guy, a bunch of my guys, up to St. Louis to watch a Cardinals game. It was awesome. It was amazing. Um, just sitting there watching and being out there, you know, mm. it wasn't even all that crowded. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't a big game or anything like that. Last two fun. years, we would we we watched Cardinals uh, or we watched Roy um, Orioles at Royals, which is a uh, it's it's not a barn buster. Let's let's put it. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. The Orioles versus the Royals is is very commonly a uh, a playoff for who is the, for for which team is the worst team in baseball. And who's second to last? And who's the second, second worst last. team in yeah. baseball? It's a race for second to last. Yes. The other, the other, because uh, like uh, San Antonio Spurs game, watched that years and years mm -hmm. ago. Uh, that was one of my. I, I still can't. Like I've watched basketball live. Mm -hmm. I still can't get into basketball. Yeah. Like I don't. I, yeah. I have a problem with basketball in that. It does in that almost nothing matters, especially in like professional or even college level games. Almost nothing matters until like the last four minutes of the game, mm -hmm. because it's a very well balanced game. It's you don't get runaway victories, right? Um, well, you do, but those aren't. But those don't but, happen. All. Yeah, and those are no fun to watch for completely different reasons. Right. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, so this this team is just completely and utterly dominating the other team, and has been for like the last ten minutes. Right, but then you okay. but then you have you have the situation where that you know reverses in the last three or four minutes. Yeah. So. The fact that it, the last three or four minutes of a basketball game is pretty exciting because. You don't know what's going to happen, and usually it's pretty close. Right. Exactly. But it, like. There's a reason the Fairly Odd Parents made a joke about it. It's because it's not entirely inaccurate. Right. Yeah. So let's see. What's your other? What's your other thing? Other things that I'm that, that I do that are not geeky. Um, so I've been doing. I've, I've been getting into something recently that's incredibly nerdy. 
Okay. But it's not geeky. Okay. Um, and that is, I have been researching um, home uh, home solutions for jam faceting and carving. Huh. <clears throat> um, I'm trying to teach myself to be an amateur jeweler. Um, I also looked a little bit into what does it take to uh, force grow synthetic ruby, and the answer is a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> you, need, you need a furnace that can get up to, it's like, I think, nine or 900 to 1,000 degrees centigrade. And then you have to have, um, like, like, there's, like, the actual, the process for lab-growing ruby is public, do, is public domain knowledge. It's, it was invented in, like, the mid-1800s. Um, the problem is... Mm-hmm. It requires incredibly specialized equipment right. and incredibly expensive equipment because, like, not only you need that, but you also need a um, you need a crucible that is that's lined with. I think it's like it's like pure zinc or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like you need a specialized crucible with a very small. Um, hole in it for the for the uh, the bowl b-o-u-l-e to uh, to precipitate out of at a specific rate um, to form the crystal <laughs> um, you have to have very precise control of the temperature because if it goes a little bit too hot or too cold then everything's fucked right. <laughs> and you need it at ridiculously high temperatures. Right, things that you're not going to be able to do yeah. at your average apartment. Ironically, like, <clears throat> um, the raw materials for making rubies, because uh-huh. I was looking at rubies specifically, uh-huh. um, and then I was also looking at other, um, at other uh, gems in the sapphire family, which, by the way, ruby is a sapphire. Work that out. Ruby is, is specifically, like... Sapphires come in multiple shades. The red ones are rubies. The red sapphire. Um, I mean, technically, you're not wrong in saying that, um, <laughs> because it's just it, it's 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 the mineral corundum mm. that has various chemical impurities in the crystal. So, that, isn't corundum something you use in in uh, Skyrim for? Uh, forging? I can't remember. Anyways. But yeah, this has been my... Um, yes. Uh, corundum, by the way, is uh, aluminum oxide. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and... Um, it's a sapphire in any color other than red, and uh, it's red when it's... Um, and when it's red, it's a ruby. Um, rubies, by the way, are the uh, least common naturally occurring gemstone, which is why they're the most expensive, which is why I was also looking into um, synthetic ones. Right. What is also interesting, a, um, yes, this is the, this is the Neil, ga- Neil geeked out over, over gemology and jewelry and lapidary, I think is a word mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, it's the art of jewelry making. Mm-hmm. Um, a carrot um, is um, 
give me a second here. I want to give the give things specifically. A carat is a unit of weight for precious stones and pearls equivalent to 200 milligrams. I was wrong. It's 200 milligrams, but still. 200, okay. 200 milligrams is a carat. You can buy on the internet um, in multiple locations a lab-made ruby. Lab-made ruby. That's awesome. Um, for uh, about uh, about thirty to forty dollars plus shipping for a hundred and fifty grams. That's just insane. Which two hundred milligrams is one carat. So if you do the math, one hundred and fifty grams would be uh, let's see five times one hundred and fifty seven hundred and fifty a seven hundred and fifty carat stone. <clears throat> Take that back to the middle ages, you'd be rich as fuck. Oh yeah, because no one would be able to tell it was synthetic. <laughs> exactly. And and here's the thing, synthetic isn't isn't fair because um it's it really is It's the same product. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. It's the same product pro, uh, product. It's just because it was made in a lab, it has less value than something naturally occurring. And to put that in perspective, by the way, the um the Hope Diamond is 45.52 carat. And the math on that was how many carats? Um, if I did the math correctly, 750. Now I want to check real quick. Uh, let's see, so that'd be milligrams divided by 200. Yeah, 750, millig um, 750 carats for about 30 bucks. Uh, now it's r now, now that, that's, that's buying rough, uncut, unpolished, yeah, um, Ruby. Ruby. But at the same time, that's probably something I'm going to be buying when I get like my tax refund because I kind of have this idea of maybe wanting to try and carve it and right. maybe sell and maybe like so find cool. someone who's willing to pay me a large amount of money for something that's made out of synthetic Ruby at VisionCon. Right. Uh, <laughs> you go. go into wand making and being like, this is tipped with Ruby. It's tipped with actual ruby. It's lab. Now ruby. it's lab ruby. That 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 that's the only thing. If you get if you if you're ever worried, like if you are worried about, um, about um, well, someone being like, well, you can just get lab grown ruby. Yeah, you can just get lab grown ruby. However, no jeweler is gonna get away with selling lab grown ruby without stating that it is lab grown ruby. Right. Um. I don't think technically there's anything that makes you do so, except for the fact that, like, if it ever gets out that you're doing that, you will be pilloried and, yeah. like... Shame. <laughs> well, it's it's the know, sort of thing that, that no reputable jeweler will do because it's not worth the reputational damage. Right. Because that news gets out. Yeah, that gets around. That shit gets around. Yeah. So... Oh, yeah, so that 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 that's a weird, interesting geek thing that I've been looking at, or non-geek thing I've been looking at. I mean, yes, there are geek. You can find someone who can geek and geek out over literally anything. Oh yeah, and geeking. Just Sports geeks are things, right? Yeah, I mean, gem geeks are things. Fantasy football is yeah. D for D and D for regular people, or you know, for half of my D and D group. Right. 
they're all in a fantasy football league, and they're like, Neil, do you want to be in the fantasy? At one point, I was asked like two years ago, Neil, you want to be in the fantasy football league? And I was like, no, I have no interest in, in this. Thank you for asking. Right. I have, but no. <laughs> right. So one of my other non-geeky things, uh, again, to do with, um, well, actually, that's become more something um, as part of prepping and things like that, is bushcrafting. Seeing how little I can get away with in the wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gets down to fire making, which I have fire making tools of various types, um, including actual flint and steel. Um, and uh, or ferrocerium rods uh, and and um, fire making kits. Mm-hmm. So and it's really amazing. The more I look at it, the more you can do with very little. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran across a few YouTube channels that are just so cool. Uh, there's a guy down in South Texas, Ken Cram. Just the chillest dude you will ever see. He's and he he's just like a history teacher. He goes out and his bushcrafting, of course, bear in mind, this is South Texas. So, you know, it's going to get down to a, you know, Arctic 39 degrees, <laughs> you know, at some point. Uh, the poor deers. Yeah, poor man. Uh, but yeah, he walks around. He has a knapsack and a bedroll. And it's amazing how much stuff, uh, and it's, you know, it's one of those things that I apply to my non-geeky thing, or to my geeky things, like... Um, Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. Aragorn walking around with that, you know, with that bedroll and, and you know, mini backpack. It's amazing how much stuff he probably had stuffed in that bedroll. Yeah. You know, um, just because, yeah, you put stuff in the bedroll and you pack it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but other things I've learned about historical stuff, it's amazing. Like wallets, like we consider wallets. Mm-hmm. Those little leather things or, you know, cloth things that we fold up, you know, in our pockets. Mm-hmm. The original wallets were like about the size of a pillowcase. You wore them over your shoulder mm-hmm. and you bounce things in the front and back. Um, so, yeah. It's just like, and then they just kind of got smaller over time, too. Yeah. You know. You've been watching Townsend's, haven't you? Well, I order from Townsend's. I've got stuff from Townsend's. Oh, you got stuff from Townsend's. I get their catalog, man. Townsend's is a really great historical YouTube channel. I didn't realize they had a catalog, too. I've just... Townsend's dot... Uh, Townsend's dot US. Okay. Uh, they have a website. They can sell... That's where I get my... It's where I get my, uh, my fire-making stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have a blanket pin. Yep. You can turn a, a wool blanket into a fucking cloak. Uh, just basically drape it around you, use the blanket pin, which is an old-style cloak pin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you stick it through, twist it, and if you know how to do it, uh, and then suddenly your blanket is a coat. Yep. I actually, um, there was a... I like... So, there's a... There's a... There's a joif that's getting that's going around recently. A joif? Yes. It's, I, I refuse to pronounce it as jif or gif. I pronounce it inc- incredibly wrong just to irritate everyone. Um, you are succeeding, sir. <laughs> of uh, of a girl do uh, not even with a pin. She just she takes a sheet and ties it in front of her while holding her arms weird, and then pulls it up as a hood. And she's wearing uh, like it's it, and it's just as a cloak. But yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's the same deal. Yeah, um, and then you know it's amazing what you can do with a tarp to turn it into a tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a little cordage, so you know, and so well, you've seen my bag, uh, my go bag. I don't think I've seen the most recent iteration of your go bag because I know it, 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 uh, 
You seen the one that I carry that, that slides to the side as opposed to across my back, right? Um, I don't know. I have not actually seen. I've not seen the insides of that particular bag. Okay. Well, that one I usually carry. Uh, you know, I carry like cordage of various mm -hmm. types. And I'm learning um, that you know a lot of people. You know, some people love paracord. Some people hate paracord. Mm -hmm. I'm finding that paracord can have some amazing uses because it's got all that shit inside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, which you can then turn around and turn into like string, spare cordage, kindling. Um, kindling if you have if you do it right. Um, yeah, it just it's just amazing what mm -hmm. you can do with paracord. And of course, uh, actual jute twine. Mm -hmm. Jute twine is great kindling. Yep. because uh, you basically you know, just take it apart and turn it into a little bird's nest and it'll it'll catch a spark pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, both of us have got have, mostly because of you have gotten in, kind of into survivalist stuff. Mm -hmm. I've been something I'm another thing I'm planning on doing with uh, with some tax refund money is probably putting together an everyday carry bag. Mm -hmm. Well, see, I have my I have my EDC bag on you know, yeah. on my on my belt. Yep, uh, which has in it. Let's see what I have in that thing. Prepare prepare for loudness. <laughs> I could uh, potentially edit that out. Yeah, I won't, but I could. See, I've got my one of my tactical lights, mm -hmm. which is one thing I love about this is if I need it to be very precise or very broad. Nice. Yeah, and it's, it's such a it's, <laughs> it's such a visual medium. That, this yeah. podcast. Yeah. So basically, he, he can at, change the focus on his on his uh, flashlight. Everybody. Yeah. So basically, that's, that's that is pretty cool. Foot, I guess. Yeah. And then uh, about halfway, it covers like a like a what a five six foot piece of wall. Yeah. And then full out, it's like a ten to twelve foot. Yeah, that's nice. So that's a nice little bright little LED light, probably right. going off what just a couple double A's or yeah, uh, actually I think, yeah one or two. And then um, that's the that's the it's got variable intensity, and then it's got this one that it'll just fuck with your day. It's got a it's got a oh, fraction strobe. So, I, I I got I. I was driving uh, at night, and I understand that the guy really didn't want to get hit by a car. Yeah. He was riding his bike, and he had a headlight that was about as bright as a car headlight, but it was flashing, but it was flashing not, it wouldn't, was, I wouldn't call it a strobe, it was flashing about, uh, let's see, mm -hmm. I'd say probably about a... 120 times a minute. Yeah. About 120 BT BPM. Mm-hmm. And I nearly lost control of my vehicle because it was hurting my eyes because I was catching it in my mirrors. Right. It was like, this is not safe. There's Firestarter. Yeah, it's uh, it's the steel of flint and steel. Mm -hmm. I don't have a flint in here, I don't think. Um, but, but, you I know, have... it's also a pair of brass knuckles. <laughs> if you have, like, three of your knuckles. Well, you know, that's... Better than nothing. Yeah, but that hurt. That shit would hurt. Yes, uh, but it would probably hurt the other person more. This is true. This is true. But uh, then, of course, on my keys, I have my. Uh, some people have the P38. I have the P51, the big P38 uh, can opener, military can opener. So that's in the inner one of the inner big pockets. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see here. I have my mini uh, tool. Uh, my mini, a mini multi tool, mini multi tool, and a very small lighter, tiny lighter. So, oh, uh, that that's that is one thing that will always be in any like. Mm -hmm. I used to have a a every not an everyday carry, but a travel 
Ziploc bag kit mm -hmm. that had a few real basic basics in it. Mm -hmm. um, because I was in high school and I didn't realize that there were more more important things you could put in there. But I had a pocket knife, a, um, a lighter, small book of matches, mm -hmm. a deck of cards, and a yo-yo. That was what I, that was my, my kit. Right. So one of the other things I have on here is a little bitty sliding knife. Team. Um, mm -hmm. It basically, it's, it's, they used to be, used to give, uh, companies used to give them out as promotional things. Yeah, but then they were knives and knives are dangerous and you can't have people have, have dangerous things. Right. And then I've got a second larger multi-tool in here. And this is actually a Gerber tool. This one's a nice, this is my nice tool. Uh, the other one's just like a little novelty thing. Mm -hmm. And then let's see what else I got in here. And that one actually has a little bit of uh, that one has a little bit of uh, stuff attached to it. Mm -hmm. And see. small little bit of cordage. Yeah, a little bit of cordage on it. And even a tiny amount of cordage is incredibly useful. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. So oh, that's my Gerber. <laughs> Pop right back out. Yeah, just make sure you don't lose anything in my couch. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean that's that's just what's what I carry on. Yeah, that's just in your everyday carry little like your little right. side pouch. To say nothing of you know what's on my keys like my P fifty one, or you know what's in your car like guns. Right. <laughs> so yes, my car is armed. Uh, you know, that I'm, was that was I think the most novel um, <laughs> the novel most novel part of of uh, riding with you to uh, <laughs> to. Uh, to what was it? Fort Fort uh, Fort Smith? Yeah, or? Fort Smith um, was was you being like, okay, well you're riding shotgun and it's not a literal shotgun, but you know, there's <laughs> here's <laughs> where the pistol is. <laughs> right. Here's where the pistol is, here's where the rifle is. <laughs> like, okay. It, it, well, yeah, because I remember when we were coming back. Yeah, we were like, both of us were kind of edging towards your car. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because we made a stop in some seedy-ass little place. <sighs> some place in some... Um, some somewhere in Arkansas. Sad grocery store, some ga sad gas station in Arkansas. And I, I don't mean to be mean to our to um yeah because this wasn't Arkansans right this this wasn't so much a product of Arkansas as a product of the city it was in yeah uh, well I mean there it was it was a it was a it was a gas station that had four slot machines in it mm -hmm. which is apparently legal in Arkansas as long as you don't actually get money out of it you can only get like store credit right or cards yeah or something along those lines yeah and unfortunately these were very manned slot machines with people who were just like sitting there plunking their life away yeah and exactly. it was and, yeah and and there it was... reminded me of when i visited um my sibling and their now ex-spouse in Gravit, Arkansas. <laughs> now there's a name. <laughs> it uh, lived up to the hype. It, there's right? a there, there's a little Debbie's factory nearby, which is where they worked. But. Debbie's, oh god. So yeah, we'll see. And I now, I mean, I've got my my go bag, which is basically the one I can just put on. Mm -hmm. But I also have uh, in there tarp. Uh, an actual get home bag, which is a bigger version. Yeah. 
Uh, which which is think. enough to get you home. Home, including food uh, mm-hmm. and stuff for water, water filtration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Water filtration is really important, by the way, kid, uh, kiddies and everyone out there listening and wondering what the hell are they talking about. Um, if you are trying to prepare for um, natural disaster, mm-hmm. um, like, situation like, like the, the standard joke among geeks is zombie preparedness. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically, the CDC actually did a comic book and list for a zombie preparedness yeah. thing. Because you're prepared for the zombie because apocalypse. If you're, you're prepared for yeah, if you're prepared for a zombie apocalypse, you're prepared for a bunch of other random, like, actual things that could happen. Yeah. Like a tornado coming through and taking out the power and your infrastructure for days on end. Or an ice storm. Uh, or an ice storm, yeah. Um, if you're not ready for an ice storm. Right, which we had in what, 2007? And 2008. 2008. It wasn't nearly as bad in 2008, but right, true. the 2007 ice storm, I remember being, that was, <laughs> I have a theater story about that that's way too long to tell, right. uh, but it involved missing all of the tech rehearsals for a show. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. I could tell you the story later, but it's not, it's, it, it, I, I don't like to badmouth people who are theoretically professional. Right. But I will never work with Wynn Riley in in in, uh, in Jefferson City ever again. She is a hack. <laughs> but you don't like to badmouth people. <laughs> but yeah, I get it. Um, well, she's not professional. Yeah. Like a lot of people. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I I. She put a very bad taste in my mouth. Um, I I will tell a truncated version of the story because now I have to. Um, right. Well, let me just you know she mm-hmm. left a bad taste in your mouth. Don't lick her. Yeah. Um, we were, uh, I was working, she was the drama, th- she was the drama teacher for Helias High School, which is the, not the, Hel- the high school that I went to, um, in, uh, in Jeff City. Um, the theater that they were working out of the Edda and Joseph Miller Performing Arts Center, the TD, the technical director of that theater called me up, um, during my winter holidays saying, hey, Neil... Can you do me a solid? Helias mm-hmm. um, is doing a production of A Christmas Carol, the musical, and they need a spot op, and we don't let just anyone touch our spotlights because they were brand new and expensive. You're trained on them. Can you come in? Yeah. To which I said, yeah, sure. I can I do can it for that. you. Yeah. Um, we met, um, then the ice storm blew through. We, we, it was during, I came in during tech week, mm. which is the week before performance. Right. When you hammer out all of the light cues and the sound cues and the, you know, like the, the curtains going up and down and the flats and all that. Right. Um, we got one tech rehearsal mm. wherein Wynn said, I haven't worked out the spotlight, the spot cues yet. Uh, we'll get to them here in another couple days. Do like just play around with them today, and um, and you know if, I'll be on headset, so I'll tell you if I want you know something changed. And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. And me and the other spot up, who was not the technical director, he was some kid from Elias, but he was also trained, and mm-hmm. so we were we were the spot ops. Mm-hmm. We came up with our own spot cues. <laughs> and Wynn told us, yeah, that was pretty good. I've got no notes for you. Um, if I change things later, be cool. It's like, yeah, sure. Then we had the ice storm come through. 
and it iced out. We, I'm sorry, we had two rehearsals. Yeah. Both times we we ran the same spot cues because mm-hmm. I kept notes. It was like, okay, at this point we do these we do these gels on this actor, and we follow them. Because they're dancing, because they're singing and dancing, and this is the color because it matches the, uh, and this is the color because it matches what the what Rusty the TD had done for the overall light cues. So we were playing, we were we were playing to a pretty good script. Mm-hmm. Then the last three tech rehearsals got snowed out, and we still opened because the show must go on. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, the only feedback I, we had gotten from Wynn Riley thus far was, that's fine, keep doing what you're doing. Before the show begins, we, because everyone showed up like an hour early to, you know, to do like a dust-off because we hadn't rehearsed for three days, right. I went to her and said, do you have any changes you want to make to our spot cues because we can do them on the fly? She said no. You're fine. Before the performance starts, she gives a curtain speech, which is not, which is, which is standard, which is standard, standard, it's fine. And she makes a point to apologize if we seem a little bit rusty, we haven't been able to rehearse for three days, and she makes it a point to mention the spotlights. I wanted to punch her in the face because she had given us no direction and she apologized for what was going to be their poor quality, which was totally on her. Right. Because she gave us no direction. And you guys had already done all the work. And we had done work. And we had looked for feedback and and she gave us none. I came this close, this close, to walking out after the first show, because that was a two-show day, because I just I was so disgusted with her. Right. The only reason I didn't was because I was in there as a favor to Rusty. Um, yeah, and there as a favor to a friend. Yeah, and it was a one and it was a one day. It was a there was one show day. Mm-hmm. Um, because the the reason I got called in short notice was because there the the other person I had for spot up was sick. Yeah, and. I found out from my friends who went to Elias mm-hmm. um, that they didn't change anything for the for the second for the second day that I wasn't in, right. because the second because the second day it was there were two there were the show ran for two days. Right. I I I opted for the first for the first day and came up with the, with all the cues. Yeah. The second day I wasn't there because the regular spot op was the, because the guy who was supposed to be there was no longer sick and he was doing it for a grade and um, so like he had to be there. I was like, yeah, cool. I don't want to work with her anyway. So yeah. So yeah, and I will never work with Win Riley again because she's a bad director. She's a hack. So um, I mean that's kind of geeky, right? Theater. Yeah, kind of geeky, not geeky. It, it's what I went to school for, right? Um, so, and now, she, and and now that's massive defamation. You know, I'm sure she'll try to sue, but you know, because of all of our thousands of, of viewers. Um, so, but anyways, we have about 300 consecutive uh, RSS subscribers. Okay, but we're not that that entirely was, tiny, right? So that came from ice storms. That came from ice storms. Yes. So one thing I've learned about bushcrafting mm-hmm. is bush knives. 
bushcrafting knives are very different from what most people think of as knives or hunting knives or things like that. Mm -hmm. My bushcrafting knife is just massively thick. Uh, the blade on it, is, because you're using those things to like chop wood or carve stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you want a you want a knife that's nice and heavy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Let's see. My bush knife um, has its own. You know that pouch on the side of it. Mm -hmm. That's not just for a. Uh, that's not just for a. Um, a uh, whetstone. Uh, that also has a ferrocerium rod mm -hmm. on it. As uh, as Mick Dundee was wont to say, that's not a knife. Yeah. This is a knife. <laughs> this is a knife. Yeah, he was carrying a big old shiny knife, which he, he really wouldn't have been carrying. The one mm -hmm. he would have carried um, is uh, like my Gerber. Um, mm -hmm. And no, uh, it was it was it was just a it was really just a small machete was all he was really carrying. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't really because the other thing about that that knife it had kind of that clipped point that little mm -hmm. dip Bowie type point. Yeah, uh, that's not good for bushcrafting. A bushcrafting knife is going to come to a, is going to come have straight come to an edge, uh, and, and it'll it'll taper down so you can use it to like make holes um, and things like that. And these you know things that I'm learning about you know in, in doing bushcrafting stuff is yeah your knife the bushcrafting knife doesn't look like Rambo's knife. No, Rambo's knife is not a survival knife, by the way. No. <laughs> It's an army knife. Um, it's not well. Even that. It's not even an army knife. That hollow. That hollow pommel uh, in the first one. Mm -hmm. That means that your blade is only hold, held on by. Bolt. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not very well tanked. Mm -mm. Although it wasn't. Although it should be pointed out that it, that the entire hilt or handle was mm -hmm. not hollow. It was just the end, because all he had it was a little bit of string and some, uh, some and some medical salve. Mm -hmm. And a compass. And a compass, which, I mean, the compass can just screw onto the edge. Right, which, that, yeah, it's still, it's the whole, it, it led to a whole plethora of, of uh, hollow-handled knives. Truth be told, a good bushcrafting knife is going to be full tang. It's mm -hmm. going to go from, it's basically... Full tang, by the way, for those of you who, aren't, who, who, do, who don't know what the hell we're talking about, means that the, the tang is the portion of the, of the knife uh, that is not metal blade. <laughs> that is not blade that, that inserts into the handle. Full tang indicates that it goes to the edge of the handle. Yeah, most of the time a full tang means the, the knife itself is shaped like you see it, mm -hmm. and then the handle is just basically two pieces of wood around the around the metal part of it. Yep. And that gives it the best strength. Mm -hmm. Which oddly enough, when you look at some of the most uh, famous swords of all, um, like the katana, uh, it has what's called a rat tail, which is a short tang, um, and it's a it's a narrow piece. Uh, it's a, it's basically a narrow piece that sticks into this into the uh, into the handle. Yeah, but it does typically extend to the in, uh, up to, down the entirety of the. Uh, about about actually, it's about five to six inches. Hmm. It doesn't do the uh, whole thing. That that varies. Uh, yeah, it does depend on the on the one. Yeah, but I mean, that one's factory made and probably and probably just stuck uh, is stuck in and. Right. But, so yeah, but yeah, that's the thing is it really when you're trying to look at actual bushcrafting and stuff like that. It really makes a difference. Most times, bushcrafters aren't carrying these massive packs. They're carrying uh, basically a haversack um, and then a roll, and they're carrying a pot 
uh, some, you know, and uh, a knife and, you know, a bowl. Yeah. Um, my, my full gear pack um, includes a Kelly kettle. Uh, and I can even live without half of that. Mm -hmm. uh, as long as I've got a pot to, you know, to cook in, I'm good. There's a, there's a show that I don't know if they still make it in anymore called Naked and Afraid, mm -hmm. where they put two people out there literally naked mm -hmm. and tell them to survive while we film you. <laughs> um, they're allowed, you're allowed to request one thing. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are like, okay, well, I want a knife or mm -hmm. I want, you know, like iodine for water or what have you. Mm -hmm. Um... To my knowledge, no one ever asked for a pair of shoes. Which would be the thing I'd ask for, honestly. Yeah, well, I, I, would, actually, I would actually go with a knife. Because with a knife, I can make shoes. You can make cordage. Um, you can, with, with plants, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, or bark and things like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just amazing what is what all is actually out yeah. there. And if you and, and if, if you're if you're really careful, mm -hmm. you can survive with nothing. Mm -hmm. um, there was a show that I really loved on Discovery Channel called Survivor Man with mm -hmm. Les Stroud. Mm -hmm. And now admittedly, they did um, like some of the time they would have a area that were like some of the time, like, while they were scouting, okay, here's where you're going to survive, because there's a lot of prep that goes into those shows. Oh, yeah. Um, they would be like, oh, hey, there's a, there's a downed bush plane. Mm. This is where you're going, like, we're not sure what's in there, but we're going to start you here. <laughs> right. And so it's like, okay, so here I am at a downed bush plane. Here's what I was able to scrounge out of the plane. Right. And he's like, and, you know, and with all this... Well, um, and, and you want to talk about m many fun and interesting ways of making a fire. Because mm. his frequent, the fre frequently what he had to do to make a fire was rub two sticks together. Yeah. And he's like, I hate making a fire like this, but you know what? It's a useful skill to have because you, 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 make, you make a little trench in one and then you can actually just do it going back and forth mm -hmm. in, the, in the thing until you get a, just a tiny all you get is an ember and you gotta have kindling mm -hmm. to go for that ember to go on right away or else it dies right um, but that's yeah that's where that's where um, he's often said he's often said it at places where he gets started with a piece of string um, and a rock that he's almost cheating with making a fire this time because he can make a fire bow out of it right yeah you're making something you're basically yeah, like, ember. I uh, feel like this. I feel like this is cheating because this is so much easier than what I usually have to do. So yeah. Or the time that he found a half-stocked, um, and and this was literally he just found he, he found it because they started him at some some wreck of crap in the in the woods, and he found in. Um, it was it was in like a wreck in the glove compartment of a wrecked car. He found. A mostly dead first aid kit, but in that first aid kit were two things: mm -hmm. potassium permanganate mm -hmm. and glycerin. Okay. Which, when mixed together, create a highly exothermic reaction. Hmm. So they are literally two chemicals that, when mixed together, are instant fire. Interesting. 
Now, see, another thing I keep in my another thing I keep in my uh, my go bag mm-hmm. is uh, instance uh, instant, basically a fire starter. It's a little uh, uh, cubes. Yeah, little cubes. Uh, you get a spark on that; it catches. And yep. I remember part- watching Crazy Russian Hacker did a did a, did here. I'm trying out uh, a bunch of different little fire in a bags. Right. Well, see, and I have a fire making kit. See, in my fire making kit, first of all, it in and of itself is waterproof. Mm-hmm. It's a waterproof plastic thing. Um, but secondly, um, it has I have at least three kinds of, of fire making it, including matches, lighter, and uh, you know fire starter. Um, plus the plus the instant kindling and some cordage. Um, so yeah, so and you know I've got multiple ferroserum rods. Mm-hmm. So because. Ferro rods are useful in general. Oh yeah, and they, they, they provide a hot spark. And they last pretty much until you use them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they, they have a shelf life of their rocks. Yeah, <laughs> shelf life of rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Flint doesn't stop Flint doesn't go bad. This fair serum. Yep. So yeah. And then you get I get those little magnesium things. <laughs> Well, some people don't know how to use those. Mm-hmm. Funny story about uh, about flint and steel. Mm-hmm. The spark that you're making is actually is actually some of the steel. Yep. The um, being being lopped off by the flint. A lot of people think it's the flint flaking and sparking, but no, it's the steel. Yeah, it's the steel. That's because you'll see a lot of flint, a lot of steel from flint and steel is actually scratched. Mm-hmm. And it's a tiny piece of steel being knocked off of there, and then being dragged along the surface of the steel and making a lot of friction. Right? So, yep. Because friction because friction can equal fire if you get enough friction. Right. Uh, so that, that we've been talking about fire for the last ten minutes. Um, right. Well then there's, I mean, there is um, one of the things I've learned how to make, if you can find a coffee can, you've got a stove. Yep. Um, and I'm familiar with that one, actually. Yeah, because I made it. I, I boiled water with sticks from my yard. Uh, pine cones, great mm. fire starter. Anything, any kind of pine. Oh kind yeah. Of resin, in it, resin in it. If you can get the really soft wood, the fat wood that's just inside the bark. You don't want to cook on it unless no, you're cooking, unless you're cooking in a in a container. Yeah. Um, don't cook directly over. It yeah. Do not cook directly over it because then you will get uh, tar in your food. Yeah, no, you want you want more of a harder wood for that. Because we offer important survival tips here on Geek Fanthology. Don't cook over <laughs> soft woods because you get tar in your food. That's right. And other nasty poisonous chemicals that are bad. Yeah. Keep in mind, and if everything we say is not legal advice. Right. Because we're not lawyers. We're not lawyers. We're not doctors. We're not bushcrafters. Yeah. No, we're amateurs. And but, if yeah. we're talking about guns, keep in mind to uh, to understand your local municipality and state and uh, local and, laws and etc. Uh, gun control and uh, safety laws. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gun safety. Oh my God. Well, I told you. I, I've told on the, here the my stupid gun. Uh, um, thing I think I did that on air, right? I can't remember. Go ahead and tell the story. I told my I told my story about I hate Win Riley. Well, and this one this one actually is somebody I respect a lot, another writer um, who just made a mistake. You know, which can happen if you're you know the slightest bit uh, not careful with a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were at a uh, we we're at a friend's uh, leather workers uh, place because he makes holsters, mm-hmm. and so we got talking guns. And I bring in my Glock um, mm-hmm. in my bag, and 
Now, I have a habit. If I'm showing you my gun, you know, if I'm showing my gun out and everything like that, first thing I'm going to do is pop the magazine and click pull, pull the slide back. And then I'm going to give it to you without the magazine. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Um, well, and so he, he showed me. And even then, usually if you do this to me, I'm still going to clear the gun too. <laughs> exactly. Which I would expect. I, you know, I will, I will never be offended. If I clear a gun in front of you, you know, <laughs> rack the slide a few times, and you do the same thing, because this very moment, so he lets me see his, uh, you know, his gun, which is a, uh, which is a, is a Colt, um, and it's very similar to my Glock. So I hand him his gun back, you know, and you know, and he's going, yeah, let me show you how similar they are. Well. On, on the gun that he has, Glocks can basically you press down a little thing, you move them forward and then pull them back and uh, pull them back a little ways, press down uh, a certain level uh, lever on them and then push it forward, and the slide comes the right slide the comes fuck off. off. Right. I mean, these things are super easy to, to disassemble. Yeah, on because his, they're yeah, Glocks. Yeah, exactly. Super reliable, super easy to disassemble. And they look like a box. <laughs> they look like, yeah, they look like little. Yeah, they look like little cardboard. But you ever see the Kia Soul? Yeah, it's like one of those. <laughs> I mean, it, everything is square. It's like yeah. there's no art to that. Shit. I will make fun of of the aesthetic of a Glock forever, but I will never make fun of the utility of a Glock. Right. Because well, like they fire. Yeah, they're like Volvos. They're boxy cars for men who like hand jobs from strange women. Uh, so if anybody's ever seen uh, uh, oh, crazy people. Um, so anyways, so he goes, yeah, look, this is very similar. Now, practicing good gun safety, mm -hmm. um, he takes the gun. He makes sure the barrel is not pointed at anybody he likes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, as part of it, um, you have, on his gun... When you press down the thing, you have to pull the trigger mm -hmm. in order to uh, in order to in order to release, release the slide. The gun goes off. How indoors? I I thought I remember you telling me this story about this happening at a, a gun shop. And it's a it's a leather shop. It's a leather. Oh, it was a shop. leather shop. Yeah, because he makes. Uh, uh, EDC gun leather. Uh, e that was what threw me off. It was yeah. gun leather. Yeah, because they make they make uh, the EDC makes holsters left, right, and sideways. Mm -hmm. They make some great holsters. Um, I actually have one. Um, but anyways, the gun goes off inside and puts a hole in the wall. Doesn't puts it? Puts in the hole in the wall, which I yeah. And the thing is, is that the guy, the owner of the shop, was two feet away from where the bullet went through. <sighs> yeah. Um, and again, you know, he was, he, he was very careful to not be pointing the gun at anybody he liked, but he went through the wall and there was another shop next door with someone in it. Ooh. Yeah. Now we See, were, I hadn't heard that part of the story. Yeah. It was a computer shop. <laughs> so, you know, first of all, we're like, oh, you're a dumbass. Uh, and he, he really, I was a dumbass, because here's what had happened. He didn't clear the gun. He did. He thought he cleared the gun. But what happened is he had, he had put the magazine in, checked it once, let it go. 
and when he pulled the slide back, he, he didn't see anyone in there. But when he, 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 he there, chambered around, he chambered around and not thinking about that, which is why I always my gun safety is always don't change, you know, don't you know, clear the gun without the magazine in it, <laughs> you know. So yeah, the bullet went through the wall um, and lodged in a uh, lodged in a uh, support. Uh, metal support beam. I got so fucking lucky. Yes, because he didn't hit a person and he didn't hit a computer. One of the computers that the guy was trying to work on. Boy, boy, would that have been a well, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So good news. <laughs> you got a new computer. It appears that yeah. Good news. Uh, you're gonna get a new computer. The bad news is. Um, your hard hole. drive has a hole in it. <laughs> has a nine millimeter hole on one side <laughs> and a six inch hole on the other. Um, and the thing is, is he shot through his own. Uh, we couldn't figure out where the round went for the for a minute mm -hmm. um, until he moved his computer back because he had shot through his his laptop case. Fortunately, laptop was not in the case. Otherwise, he would have been going. Can you fix this? <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, the thing is... Gun safety is important, everyone. Yeah. And you can't be distracted when you do it. Because I always, you know, when I do it, you know, I always make sure the, the magazine is out. Mm. Every single time. Which is why I have yet to have. Um, the only unintentional fire I ever had was when I suspected there was a round in the gun. And I aimed it down range... Pulling the trigger, and pulled the trigger to see if there to, was a round to in the see gun. if I cleared it, you know, because what maybe what had happened is the gun had had um, hadn't cleared. Mm -hmm. So I tried to, you know, I dropped the magazine. Uh, this was on my P sixty four, racked it. Well, the ejector hadn't caught it, um, and um, and what had happened was it had caught it had loaded around, but it also had the uh, had the the empty round. Uh, caught in the in the ejector. It was slightly jammed. Right. So pop that out, point it, and boom, it goes off. I'm going, well, glad I, you know. But, uh, yeah, it was just one of those things of... And my friend Obi made, made fun of me when I was in a, when I was in a play mm -hmm. with him mm -hmm. of insisting before he take out his, admittedly, Civil War cap and ball revolver mm -hmm. uh, replica, but it could totally... Like he had, I, he it had fired before. Right. I insisted before we go out on stage, and he pointed in my face mm -hmm. that I look at the gun. Right. I was like, no, it. It's not that I don't trust you, Obi. It's not that I don't trust anyone. It is that I don't trust it, anyone. It is that I. It is that I do not trust guns. Yeah, exactly. It is from yeah. from yeah. every. It, my grandfather taught me at a very early age. You treat every single gun as if it were loaded until you have personally verified that it is not. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm raised in Texas. I was raised around guns. Um, so yeah, even revolvers. Um, I will. You know, I will check. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> yeah. You know. uh, I mean, this one it was pretty easy. You could just tell there were no cap. There were no percussion caps. percussion caps. So even if there was a bullet, mm -hmm. it would not be able to fire. Right. Yeah. And that was something you could just visually inspect. You wouldn't even have to open the damn action. Right. It's like I, you just spin the cylinder. It's like yeah, we're good. Right. Yeah, <laughs> open no the problem. hammer, spin the cylinder. Yeah, we're good. Okay, thanks. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's one of those things. And and before that, I wouldn't let the I would not let myself be downrange of the gun. Yeah, no, and, and yeah, people and Obi like, are you serious, Neil? It's like, yeah, yes. Point that at me. It, yeah, 
And, and I will. I, you My grandfather tell. taught me this lesson. Yeah. Well, you can tell people who are around guns a, a lot. My uh, my buddy Kyle. Um, when you know, even even a gun that is not together, mm-hmm. like you know, he will actively point the barrel away from him or me or you know, and you know. So yeah, it's it's. I learned that lesson when I accidentally um, when I accidentally uh, when I was six, and I accidentally um, what you call it uh, loaded a shotgun shell. Hmm. Because my, my grandfather had a reloading bench. Mm, okay. And I was I, I was um, unaccompanied in the gun room. Now, this is not a problem because all of the guns mm-hmm. are up on walls. Right. And I'm a tiny little six-year-old. I can't reach yeah. the guns. Mm-hmm. And, my, my, and none of the guns were loaded. Like, my grandfather did not keep loaded guns in his house, even though you treat every gun as though it was loaded. Oh, yeah. The pistol he kept in his sock drawer had a had a full magazine right next to it. Right. Um, but it itself was never loaded until, uh, 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 except if you were to pick up both pistol and magazine and insert magazine and act. And, and. Right. See the gun. The gun that I have in the house. I mean, I have a. And I have a sh- I have a couple of cool shotguns, but mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, I, I reloaded a shotgun shell and it made an awful loud noise, <laughs> and there was consternation. And my my grandfather, like my mother, came running back to the room trying to figure out what the hell happened. My grandfather kind of leisurely <laughs> strolled because he knew what it what he knew what that sound was, right. but he was like. All right, we're gonna teach you a little bit about guns now. Right. Well, see, I started out. I started off with a uh, the BB gun when mm-hmm. I was five. Uh, I had a BB gun in kindergarten. Yeah. Um, and I got a. My friend Derek had a twenty-two when he was eight. Yeah. And I had a shotgun. I had my own shotgun, a little double barrel four ten, uh, before I was in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we used to go quail hunting and. Uh, and you know, and then after that, I really didn't have guns until I started doing this, you know, doing writing and stuff like that. Now I've got like a million. <laughs> now I only have no. ten, maybe. Yeah, but you, you have enough guns to arm yourself and a small cadre of friends. I've well, I have enough guns to arm myself and Randy with the same type of guns because I have I have the ideal arsenal. Um, in my head, I have you have one handgun per person. Um, now, in my case, I have like two or three. Mm-hmm. I have two, um, and one of which is a revolver. Both two of them are tw- twos. Um, one thing about what one real nice thing about revolvers, mm-hmm. they don't jam. No, but they will misfire. Um, but so I've got yeah, but not very often. I've got a pistol. Mm-hmm. You know, one is a pistol. Uh, one is a. Um, a hunting gun. Now that a twenty-two, it's a nice little plinking gun. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have an assault-style rifle. Um, basically, you know, something the magazine ten or more. It fires a semi-automatic. Mm-hmm. And then you have a uh, you have a bolt-action rifle. Something that is designed for accuracy. 
30-06 or something along those lines. Um, I have two. One is Mimosa Nagant, and one is a uh, 223 or 5.56 uh, bolt action. I thought the, I thought the Nagant was, uh, was clip-fed. It is clip-fed. Okay. Yeah. Um, which, yeah I thought okay. that was a semi-auto, not a, not a bolt action. No. The, the, uh, now, here's the thing. The Mosin Nagant has a five-round clip that you... And, by the way, clip... Clip versus magazine. Different things. Uh, We are literally talking about a a clip, everybody. This is a stripper clip, not that kind of clip. You don't don't need one. And not that kind of stripper, either. Right. Uh, Basically, you feed the magazine through through the clip. Uh, the clip holds is clip literally clips around it and holds the bolts together. Yeah, the back end, the back end, typically the the blasting cap and and end portion of the right. pistol of the not the pistol, the bullet. Um, right. And then, as you feed the bullets into the chamber, the clip is then discarded. Or, Whereas a magazine is this thing that I'm holding up for the for all of the microphone to see, um, which uh, is where the bullets go. Yeah, which is where the bullets go into, and then that is inserted into the gun. Now, by the way, the gun I'm playing I've been playing with is a uh, airsoft. It's an airsoft pistol, although it's also a reproduction of an H and K USP down to the dimensions. Mm-hmm. So. So if I ever bought a USP, it would feel exactly like this in my hands, except it would fire. I think it. I think it's nine millimeter, four to five. I think it's forty-five. Yeah, so I think I think it's chambered for. I think they're standardly chambered for forty-fives. Yeah, there's a USP for me. But anyways, uh, so it's a pistol, a uh, plinking gun, a twenty-two, a small gun, um, a bolt-action rifle, mm-hmm. a semi-automatic full-size rifle. Um, and then a shotgun, preferably a pump shotgun, mm-hmm. because you can use those for hunting. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not the greatest, but yeah. So I have. Well, it depends on what you're hunting, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so I have, yeah, I have, um, and one of my favorite shotguns is my KSG. And all I've got is my grandfather's. Uh, you have a pump shotgun, right? yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's not. It's a beautiful. No, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful gun. gun. I love that gun. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, and, so that's, and that's it's a twelve and it's a twelve gauge shotgun. This has really been mostly the guns episode, hasn't it? Yeah, this is the guns and survivalism. Guns. Yeah, this is where we're talking about guns. <laughs> um, the episode wherein we talk about guns. Yeah. And what's funny is like, no, I'm not gonna say that. Never mind. Okay. So, but yeah, I'm um, tired. But I try to I try to keep that particular subject out of uh, out of uh, the podcast as much as possible. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's so yeah. Firearms, survival, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you camping and stuff like that. Yep. I grew up camping. I, I grew up. We, so. we camped a bit when I was a kid. I miss camping. Oh man, we used to have ten acres of we, land. We used to get well. We we would we would drive to uh, Johnson Shut In State Park, mm-hmm. and we would camp on their campgrounds. Which, admittedly, you know, they're night. It's nicer because you don't have to like worry about where you're getting your mm-hmm. water and such. But. Um, and you know you're uh, you're still technically you're still shitting in a hole. Yep. Uh, so, which I did weekends uh, in high school. We had ten acres of land. We'd go up. We had a campfire. Um, we you know we and we basically had no indoor plumbing for you know for septic. So mm-hmm. yeah, we basically you built did, you an outhouse. You a train and and we dug a hole, built an outhouse over it. Mm-hmm. Um, every now and again, we'd have to move it. Yeah. By the way, if you're ever playing Dungeons and Dragons, to get things back around to geeky right before the end, 
one of the most uh, one one of, one of the most inventive uses of the spell purify food and drink. <laughs> yep. I'm going to put I'm going to put some of our potable water down the shithole. Now I'm going to cast purify food and drink on the entire slurry. Ew. Yeah, I would have a problem with that. Well, no, you're not going to you're not going to then eat or drink it. Mm-hmm. But you do that simply to clean up after yourself. Right, so you turn into regular water. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we did that uh, while trying to, while spending a week in a tunnel that was dug by a Zorn while inside the Temple of Elemental Evil in my three in a game I played with my Sebs. Hmm. Because we were trying very hard to make the guards forget that we were there. Huh. Makes a certain amount of sense. Ugh. So we had a well hidden, we had a well hidden tunnel. We had paid a Zorn in gemstones to dig us a tunnel into the mountain mm-hmm. behind uh, behind a crate in their larder. So we had access to their food. We were stealing their food. Um, but how were we going to deal with our waste? Mm-hmm. Well, we had to get inventive with a bucket <laughs> and magic. Right, and it so. worked. <laughs> Uh, um, so yeah we talked about guns for an hour and a half that was fun Uh, it's about time for us to call it here for the year Mm -hmm. Uh, once again happy whatever winter holiday you you celebrate right Um, and yeah happy happy holiday and looking forward to uh, a a good 2020 because I can't wait to get to the end of 2020 or I can wait but I'm just so that 2020 is all hindsight? hindsight? Yeah, so hindsight is 2020. Uh, the, the other joke that I've heard on that is uh, instead of Ryan Seacrest doing New Year's Rock and Eve, we need to have Barbara Walters do, uh, do it That's so that she can say, I'm Barbara Walters and this, this is 2020. 2020. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which I think would be really excellent if, if she were game for it. Yep. Um, wow, that, that dates, I think, both of us, honestly, because... Well, somebody's got to date us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you you got someone. Uh, yeah, but that's not dating. Uh, that's true. Right well, hopefully you still date. Yeah, we go on dates. Because right. when romance is dead, I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, have a happy rest of 2019, everyone. We'll see you in 2020. Typically, with, typically our first episode's a year-end retrospective because those are cheap and easy. Right. Um, easy, yeah. Low-hanging fruit. We got a couple ideas for interesting uh, episodes, ideas for next year, but uh, we're gonna keep those on the on the Down DL for now, and uh, right. and we look forward to coming back to you with recharged batteries. Have a good one, everybody. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It is brought to you by the letter A and the number ninety-three. Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm, and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media, sending us an email, or leaving us a comment. If you're listening on iTunes, please rate us. If you're listening on Spotify, please follow. Pretty much, please do anything that will help to build the algorithm and get more people to notice that we exist. Please also check out our Twitter and Facebook pages for links to interesting things as well as semi-regular updates. 
If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us either by making a one-time donation on our website or a reoccurring one at Patreon at patreon.com slash working theory. A final thought. From all of us here at Working Theory Productions, we want to wish you a very, very happy remainder of your winter holiday season. We will see you again in 2020.